I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. Strides, why you need to be doing more strides and how to perfect them. Most runners want to become faster and stronger. We all want to feel good when running too. One of the easiest things we can add into our training is also sometimes the most neglected thing by athletes. That is strides. It's kind of a funny name, but we are also going to chat about exactly what strides are and how you should be incorporating them into your training. I have with me today Jason Phillippe, who has been running for over 20 years, and he has been run coaching for over a decade now. He is also a coach here at Run for PRs and has worked with athletes from the middle school, high school, college level, all the way up to adult runners training for various road racing events. And I am Victoria Phillippe, and I am the founder of Run for PRs, and I've been coaching since 2013, so almost eight years now. So Jason, kicking things off, when was the first time that you personally did strides, and what did you think of them? Yeah, the first time I was kind of introduced to the concept was in high school when I ran track and then cross country. You know, we typically do strides um, either on the track or in like an open grass field. And sometimes we'd, we'd do them barefoot. Um, and it would be more of, of a, something you do at the end of practice typically. Um, and it gives, gives the coaches a chance to just kind of watch the form of runners. And, you know, when we did them, we, we were asked to really be mindful of running tall, keeping our, you know, our um, arms, preventing them from swinging across our midline, that sort of thing, and just really focusing on strong um, strong form without like, you know, being too overpowering with our arms, I guess. So, um, we typically would do them the day before a meet or a race, just because it's good to kind of do a little bit of something to get the, the muscles firing. And then that kind of be- became an ingrained habit over the years of, um, you know, doing your pre-run rituals, including, uh, just some easy running, some dynamic drills followed by some strides. And so, um, it's kind of been something I've, continued to encourage my athletes to do over the years as well. Yeah, definitely. I love how you describe that story of doing strides on a grass field. And, you know, that's something that even roadrunners, recreational marathoners could probably incorporate um, when the weather is, you know, good. But I think, you know, going back to your story, I think cross country season, um, a lot of the coaches kind of tend to do some of those grass barefoot um, strides. And like you were talking about, it does help with form and accelerations and all of those good things that we'll get into a little bit more into this podcast. 
Um, but yeah, my first time was very similar. Um, I remember joining the cross country team my senior year of college. Um, prior to that, I was just kind of running for, uh, just for fun and I guess for weight loss purposes, which is totally not my goal anymore. But, um, I joined the team. I didn't really know anything about running. And one of the first things that I noticed the coach had us do, um, that was very new to me was this concept of strides. And he kept referring to them like as a, as a workout or as an action verb. And I was like, I thought your stride is like your running form, right? It's kind of a funny name. So I'm not really sure, you know, where this came up with, but it's just like an accepted terminology in the running community. Um, so Jason, what is kind of the difference between strides and sprints? Because when you describe what they are, like when we describe what strides are, I think we would all say, you know, you just do five or six by, you know, 10 to 20 seconds fast. And then you do a complete rest in between and people are like, okay, that sounds a lot like sprinting, right? So what exactly is the difference there? That's definitely a good point. Um, I think for most athletes, you know, especially those part of a team, when they're doing strides, the goal is really to focus on just having sound mechanics and form and uh, working on that acceleration. So they might start out you know, kind of um, probably like 75% effort and build up to maybe like 90% and then just hold that for, you know, five or 10 seconds. Um, Sprints are going to be max, you know, max velocity from the get-go. And you're just, there's really no acceleration phase. You're going to try to sprint off the line and get to your max speed as fast as possible and hold it. Um, And so obviously there are, you know, distance runners, we're going to focus more on strides because that's kind of what we need to train. That's going to help benefit us in our races more. Um, if you're a sprinter on the track team, you might be doing a lot more of the, the sprints um, and focusing on like really getting out quick those first, you know, um, you know, 10 meters or so. Right. Yeah, it's definitely two different sort of things. So strides can be like sprints. So if you're someone who has maybe done like an interval workout on the treadmill where you're only doing like 20 seconds fast and then you're recovering in between. Um, for a lot of people, they might, who aren't really into the running terminology, they might think that what they're doing is sprinting, right? But chances are, unless you're doing 100% max effort, um, you're probably not exactly sprinting. So you're, you're almost doing a variation of strides. But I think that's the biggest differentiating factor here is that strides are not intended to be um, like all out effort. Like they shouldn't be 100%. You shouldn't be, um, going, you know, this isn't Usain Bolt, right? Like we're trying to just, um, hit maybe like our mile pace or 5k pace. Um, and I think that's a common misconception. And I know coaching a lot of runners, uh, some people just really get into these strides at the end of runs. And I have seen some people who, uh, Maybe their 5K pace is like eight-minute pace or seven-minute pace. And then all of a sudden, um, when it comes to strides, like they can pull out like a 450 pace for for strides. And while that is very impressive that they have that much raw speed, and I think maybe once in a while it's okay to, you know, kind of tinker with that and test it out. Um, what is kind of the risk versus reward of, you know, doing strides like way out of your range? Because let's say you're just someone who your fastest mile is like 655 ever. And that's like in a one mile race. Um, do you have any business really running strides like in the four minute or even low five minute pace range? 
Um, again, it goes back to the purpose. I would, I would say mostly not. Um, you shouldn't be real. I like how you said mile pace. That's a really good rule of thumb um, to stick to, you know, if you're trying to, you know, hit a certain pace for your strides, um, you know, and sometimes that can be hard to judge because it takes a while for your Garmin or whatever to catch up. Um, but, you know, my advice would be if you're trying to figure out how to hit the right pace, um, yeah, start off with mile pace and go off of effort. Really just think about building up, accelerating, and then holding it about that 85 to 90 five percent effort and then you can always look at your paces later on um and then you start to get a feel you know as you go and do more of these workouts if you do track um track this with a gps yeah and so for that example of the person who maybe their fastest mile time is like seven or six fifty and then they're doing the the strides in like the four minute pace range I would say that they're kind of toying into the actual definition of sprinting, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you move from doing a stride, like a traditional, what, what this podcast is about, like an acceleration, just to kind of get some speed, and then you move into the sprint territory, like you've gone to that maximal effort range, um, there is that higher chance of risk of injury, right? And um, the, the reason yeah. being is because it's it's almost like a totally different sport at that point. So what are some of like the injuries that occur um, for sprinters and how should, you know, if distance runners are like, no, I like to do my strides, you know, super fast off the chain. They want to keep doing them that fast. Um, like what are some of the things that you should do prior to, you know, doing these strides and then like, are there any risk factors involved um, and what should you look out for? Yeah, good point. You definitely don't want to just go in the middle of your run and throw down like strides at five minute pace. Um, you want, you know, a lot of reasons why, obviously if you're going from your, your pace of like eight minutes and you just all of a sudden drop the hammer that much, your, your muscles really aren't ready for that. And so a lot of times, you know, what, what comes with sprinting injuries could be like pulled hamstring, um, pulled calf muscle. It can be really hard on your lower limbs, like your Achilles and your calf. And um, so you kind of want to warm that, those areas up and get them ready. Um, thinking about like even like 400 and 800 meter runners, which is considered middle distance um, to be successful at that level, you have to have a, a ton of speed, right? You got to be pretty fast. Um, and so they are going to have those days where they work on that speed. Um, I consider that like over speed. That's really like... Um, where you are focusing on implementing sprints like that, they're going to probably do some strides to warm up. And they may even do like a, like a 200 meter or a couple 200 meters before they do their 100s. And the 100s might be just like closer to, you know, all out max speed. Um, but so they're not just like progressing into it. They're going to warm up. They're going to do some probably dynamic drills as far as like stretching, get really get the blood flowing. And then they're going to ease into it with just uh, pressing down on the pace a little bit um, and increasing the effort to get them you know, going, you know, 70, 80, 90, and then 95. They're not going to just go from 60% to 95. Like sometimes we see with the athletes do. Right. Yeah. That's a really good point doing the gradual acceleration and building up. And there is just so many different ways that someone can approach doing strides. Right. So I think, you know, when you were coaching at the college level for track, um, you were coaching people who are going to run the one mile or even, you know, the 800 meter, I think there was a time and place where you would do strides at maximal effort. So it would really be teetering into like the sprinting category. Um, and there was a time and place for that because you're really trying to work on, um, getting the entire muscle to fire and really pushing, um, that maximal effort just for, you know, the race events that they're training for, you know, if you're training for the one mile, um, it's okay to kind of, you know, 
play in that range a little bit more. Whereas if you're training for a marathon, I think like the risk versus reward there, um, you're already doing so many miles on your feet and it's more about like accumulated fatigue and longer tempos. And then if you were to throw in doing like these maximal effort strides, it's just another thing, another stressor on your body. So that's why we kind of want, you know, if you're a distance runner training for a half or a full, um, even, you know, a 10 K or whatever, it's probably better to stick more in like your one mile to 5k range for these strides because you probably will just be doing them at the end of your run um, and you won't be like you were talking about, you know, taking that complete rest before you go into the interval and taking that standing 90 second recovery. Um, so you just really have to understand that recovery from um, in between them also plays an important role in strides. I think some people just think, oh, you know, strides, they don't matter that much. They're not that complex, but like going into all these details, it's like, there are just so many different ways to do it. There's so many different ways to, um, create them within a training plan based on what you are specifically training for and what your goals are. Um, so we kind of talked a little bit about what paces you should hit for strides. So, 10k to marathon runner I don't think we really need to go faster than like your one mile PR pace maybe a hair faster towards the end but like you were describing you want to start maybe at your marathon pace half marathon pace and then throughout that 20 second of doing your stride you lay the hammer down and you get down to one mile pace but we don't need to like be going to that you know faster than one mile pace into sprinting territory (laughs) Whereas if you're training maybe for a 5K, a one mile, or even a shorter distance event, you are probably going to be right around your mile pace, if not faster for some of these strides. Um, And that goes into the recovery, right? So it's going to look different if you're a marathon runner doing strides versus if you're training for like an 800 meter or a one mile race doing strides. So what is the recovery going to look like for someone who's training for a shorter distance event incorporating strides versus a marathon? Um, what are like the different types of recovery you can be doing? Yeah, I think you're, you know, when you're thinking about strides, you want to have pretty much full recovery because you want each stride to be uh, pretty similar in terms of um, and in terms of not being fatigued, um, so that your form doesn't start to suffer. Okay. And so I think that, um, you know, if you, if you're doing really short rests and it's, it's almost becoming like a fart, like workout, it's not, the purpose is not the same as it would be if you were just doing like one stride every, I don't know, two to four minutes. Um, and you know, again, it depends on the speed I'm, I'm prescribing athletes. If I really want them to get quality strides, like back when I was coaching college athletes, we would take longer rests probably in between just to make sure they have the full recovery, or we might walk in between and do them on the track. And then just kind of, we may like sprint down one straight away and then walk back. Um, for most, you know, marathon runners, a lot of times I prescribe maybe strides with you know, like 90 second to two minutes rest. And sometimes, um, you know, that's just because I don't, I don't want them to, um, to have to feel like they need to sprint so fast. I just would rather have them keep it towards that last mile of their run, squeeze their four strides in there, um, you know, up to about 85% effort and they can take about a two minute jog in between. Um, but that's the nice thing about strides is that I don't really ever look at my watch and I'll look at it maybe afterwards, but you're kind of just going off a feel. And, um, especially if you're out on the roads, you know, some, some of your strides may be on a slight incline or it might be slightly downhill. It really just, just depends on the terrain and where you're running. 
Yeah, that's some really good information. Um, and yeah, all strides are going to be different. Everyone's kind of going to have a different approach to this. And there's really, you know, your coach might be prescribing different types of strides just to add variety. So if you've been doing kind of just the last mile of your run, adding in strides and then jogging in between, you know, sometimes it might be beneficial to switch things up and maybe go the route of, okay, we're going to maybe do a little bit faster strides and we're going to have the standing recovery in between. Um, just because it's important to change up your training and utilize that whole muscle and make sure that, you know, we're getting benefits from the strides. Cause sometimes, you know, we can just kind of go through the motions and I've been on runs before, you know, after a seven mile run and you're adding in strides and I just don't have like the bounce in my legs to get the pace up. And although I'm trying to do the strides, it just seems like I'm flat. And so at the end of some of those runs, I'll just be like, okay, my legs just need a second. I just need to stand and recover and then do my strides where I can really focus on the form on pushing it um, and be in the right headspace for them. So it's not something that you should just be like drudging through and just kind of, oh, whatever. You know, it's something that you want to make sure that you're focused on your form and being as strong as you can because strides serve a purpose to really utilize that whole muscle and wake it up. Um, Because when we're out there running and we're trudging along at our easy pace, um, sometimes our muscle fibers do get lazy and they kind of, some of them are laying dormant because you're not, it's not as difficult, like, right? (laughs) It's not like you're under all of this stress and your body is like going, going, going. Um, Muscle fibers can lay dormant. And that's why it's really important to do these strides because um, before your, your workout days and stuff so that you can kind of wake up those muscles and be like, Hey, fast muscles, we're going to be doing stuff, um, soon here in the future. And it's just good to vary that into your, your runs to make sure that mind body connection is always strong. So going into more of these different types of strides, um, do you ever prescribe barefoot strides, hill strides or downhill strides? And what do these serve a purpose for? Yeah, um, for athletes that are going to be running on hillier courses, it, it definitely um, is wise to incorporate some hill strides, um, both up and downhill at times. I know I have athletes that train for some of the downhill races, and so we'll have them do that. Um, if they're running on a lot of trails, like trail races, then you could do both uphill, downhill. Um, I think for barefoot purposes, I would say that's mainly going to be for like, um, yeah, people that are going to be running on like different types of terrain. So like cross country runners or in the trails. Um, but it's really about, um, you know, your lower extremity and, you know, if if you're going to do it, I would only, I would try it once and then make sure you don't get sore from it. So you're not going to start doing it like twice a week out of, you know, out of nowhere. Um, there's, there's some high school programs around here, um, where the coaches, they have their kids do them religiously, like twice a week strides barefoot. And, um, so there's some coaches that swear by it and, um, I was never, I never really had a coach that did, but they didn't discourage if, if one or two of the athletes wanted to go barefoot, um, they were okay with that. I think, um, you know, a lot, a lot of times kids wear spikes for a race. And so, you know, if you go barefoot, that gives you uh, closer to like a real feel of what it would be like in the race. Um, but there is some benefits, I guess, um, that, you know, you could, you could make the argument for how it could help strengthen like your arch and your, um, you know, prevent plantar fasciitis, stuff like that. Um, but you also probably want to be be diligent about not overdoing it. Yeah, definitely. Barefoot strides sound interesting, but you know you want to make sure if you have lower extremity injuries or if you're subs- subs- susceptible to 
things like plantar fasciitis and all those things that maybe we avoid doing that because you want to have that um, extra support. Uh, and then like you were saying with the hill strides, I think it's really good if you have a hilly race that you're training for that you can add in hill strides. Um, I am someone who is notorious for kind of neglecting hill work and I'm not like the greatest at um, doing hills. So sometimes during the summer, I will make an effort to do like all of my strides on hills. That way I'm just getting that extra exposure because um, a lot of the routes around here or where I used to live are just not that hilly. And so adding in like a hill stride um, or doing your strides on hills or on even just a slight incline can kind of give you that extra exposure and get your muscles used to kind of firing fast up a hill. Um, and then the downhill strides I think are really good for people who maybe just have a really hard time getting into those faster paces and that acceleration. Um, the downhill is going to give you that extra, you know, gra- gravitational pull so that you can hit faster paces. So if you're someone that's just like, you know, my 5k pace and my half marathon pace are almost exactly the same. Um, downhill strides would be great for you to incorporate because it'll allow you to kind of let go and let gravity kind of just help you reach those faster paces so that you can really get the benefits of strides. Um, also if you're training for a downhill race, like those rebel races, downhill strides are great to incorporate. Um, even doing downhill workouts would be great too. So I know that sometimes people can do strides at various times during their run. Um, I think one thing that kind of throws athletes off is that you can do strides right after your warm up, And so technically you're really at more of like the beginning phases of your run. Um, so is there ever a time where you're doing strides like in the middle of an easy run or what kind of protocol do you have when you are prescribing strides? Yeah, I think, um, you know, for the most experienced runners, we probably are going to encourage it in the middle or towards the end, just because it just seems to, um, become part of the routine. I think there is a time and place for doing it right after a warm up, And that would be, you know, like high school kids or kids that are kind of new to the sport. We, a lot of times would do that because we really want to focus on the quality and, um, also new adult runners. If you're kind of new to the sport, we want to make sure you're not tired just from running your easy, slow miles. Um, so I think there is a time and place for that. It's just going to depend on um, kind of the athlete's experience with strides. And, you know, one other type that I like to prescribe is kind of a, a variation to a stride. It's a sprint, float, sprint, and it just really helps the athlete start to practice changing those gears. And so, um, you know, I obviously you want to make sure they're warmed up pretty good. I'll probably have them do like two or, you know, two acceleration type strides first so that they're used to kind of getting up to that speed. Um, and then when you actually start the sprint, float, sprint, parts the sprint uh float sprint stride that's hard to say um you're gonna want to um obviously build up to that to that mile pace or max speed right away and then you kind of float for a little bit which is basically just like a tempo pace that you're holding and then you're gonna press down again and a lot of times that entire stride will be about 100 meters or so um so about 20 seconds it really just depends so you're doing about each each of those for like seven seconds Right. You know, that's a really good point how you're talking about, you know, newer adult athletes or um, the high schoolers or middle school athletes who are just getting into the sport, how you would maybe prescribe strides a little bit early on in their run. Or one thing that I have incorporated um, with some of my athletes maybe coming back from an injury or, you know, we have sometimes people come to us, they have been injured, they have taken significant time off and building back their plan um, one of the first workouts, like quote unquote, that we add into their training after maybe a couple of weeks of easy running is adding in those strides because technically it's not like a huge stress on your body because you're having that full recovery in between 
and because they're just such short bursts, but it is a slight introduction to that speed, letting your body kind of know, hey, you know, like let's uh, let's wake it up. Let's get this mind-body connection going. Um, and it gives you a chance to kind of have that little bit of exposure before we dive into a more formal workout. Um, but technically, you know, the phases of coming back should be like you incorporate strides and then you're going to do more of like fartlek type workouts without specific paces. Um, and then you go into those more, you know, very specific sort of track workouts, that sort of thing. So there's really different levels. And I think you should really make sure that you kind of perfect um, each level before you move on to, you know, just diving into, oh, you know, a big, a big workout. Um, and even coming back from like pregnancy and stuff, I think strides were one of the, the first workouts that I incorporated after, you know, I do a month or so of only easy runs and it just kind of sets the tone for the next phase, which is typically fart legs, um, maybe like one minute on two minutes off. And then when you go into these fart leg runs after you've done strides, um, it's just really important to note like that you're not going to be going the same pace as your strides, right? Like it's just more off an effort-based sort of thing. So I know it's kind of getting off topic, but I mentioned it and I just don't want people to get the idea that they have to like be doing fart legs at the same pace as their stride um, once they kind of make that progression. But back into strides, um, another time where I see people doing strides all the time is before races. And I know we haven't had a lot of real races recently, but um, traditionally speaking, you know, when we're in the cities and there's those big races, all those um, really fast runners, it seems like they're always going out and back from the start line at the beginning of the race. And it seems like, you know, some people I have watched do like 20 strides before a race. I think it's like a nervous tick for some people, whereas others maybe like they really um, do need 20 strides. I don't know. But I'd like to hear kind of your philosophy as it comes to doing strides before a race. Um, if you think it's necessary, how to start doing that and uh, what to look out for. Yeah, this is definitely an interesting one. The answer is going to, it's kind of going to have a wide spectrum. It really depends on like the pace that you plan to run for your race, the distance of your race, um, the pace you maybe went on your warm up. Um, for me, I'm probably going to do strides in uh, for every rate type of race, um, maybe up to the marathon. That might be the only one where I'm going to just kind of maybe do like more of like a five minute, uh, jog. Uh, I might call them slight accelerations, but I'm not going to build up very fast. Um, you know, even the half marathon though, I do want to do some strides because I want to get my body ready to be able to handle the half, the pace that I'm running for half. And so for some people, if their goal is just to kind of go out and run the 10K and finish or the half, then it's probably not necessary to do the strides. Um, if you're trying to run a 5K or you're trying to hit a certain time, um, you're definitely going to want to, you know, do some strides at least at the pace at which your body's about to dial into during the run. Um, for me, a 5K, that's pretty much the pace my strides are going to be at. I might go a hair faster, but not that much. So if I'm planning to run like a 520 pace or whatever first mile, my strides are not going to be a whole lot faster. I'm just going to make sure I can do like maybe at least four of them at that 20 or 30 second, just so that when the, the, the race starts, um, my body doesn't go into like a shock because all of a sudden, if you go from running your easy pace to your 5k pace and it's, you know, two minutes per mile faster, that can be very surprising on your body. If you haven't kind of warmed up and allowed the heart rate to, 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 um, you know, beat a little faster and start pumping that blood flow and that extra oxygen that your muscles need. 
Right. And so you're probably doing these strides, you know, right up almost until they say, you know, get line up. So it's, it's pretty much, you know, five minutes before the race is starting. Cause you don't want to like do them and then stand around for half hour. It's, it's something that, you know, you probably are seeing people doing them out and back from the, the finish line onto the race course and then back. Um, but you know, like you're, you're talking about your paces, like 520 pace and all that stuff. I'm like, wow. Um, before a race, I, I just don't personally incorporate mini strides. And I think that's because we have very different, um, kind of like racing. I don't know. Like for me, when I'm at a race, if I'm going to add in a stride into my warm up, I just have so much adrenaline and like anxious energy that like, oops, I'll look down and be like, oops, my stride, you know, is like for something for like very low five minute pace when really, you know, if I'm at a 5k, I'm not really trying to run faster than six lap pace, right? So for me, it's almost like I'm dialing into the wrong gear. And so you could be um, careful there, right? Like you don't want to be doing these like super hardcore sprints. Um, Just know yourself. So if you're someone that maybe like is more of like an anxious body and always goes out too fast in a race or doesn't have any sort of issue at the start of a race, um, getting into pace, probably not hundred percent required. Whereas if you're someone maybe more like Jason, where like you've actually struggled at the beginning of a race to hit your race pace and you know, maybe your goal race pace is a pace that you're not, um, used to running or something like that, then I think doing strides makes sense, right? To really get your body used to that pace and hitting um, that fast pace. So just kind of knowing yourself, I think we have like two different philosophies on that. It just depends on the athlete. Um, And also sometimes people, you know, if you're newer to the sport or like you were saying you don't do them before a marathon I'm like yeah I don't even want to like do anything before a marathon like at Disney when they make you walk (laughs) to the corral I'm like okay I don't want my legs to get tired even though you know you're in marathon shape what's a mile walk before the race but like I I don't like that and so that's why I don't really do strides I know this is probably more in my head than anything else but I don't like the way my legs maybe feel after I do strides too fast. And so there's a whole like mental component there. So do whatever you need to do before the race. I don't think anyone's race was ever won or lost based on um, if they didn't do strides. And then obviously your warm up will help your legs kind of get, get ready and warmed up to do the, the race that you're about to do. So whatever you're kind of used to doing before your workout. So if you're someone who before a workout, you're like, oh, always do my four strides, have to do my strides, then maybe do them before your race. But if before a workout, you're not really used to doing strides, maybe just, um, you don't need to do them before a race or maybe do one and see how you feel. So, um, how many strides should you do on your warm up before a workout or, you know, after a run, what's kind of like the minimum and maximum reps and how long is the longest you can go seconds wise and like the shortest you can go yeah i would say um you know somewhere between two and six you know if you're if you're just going to do two strides sometimes that's enough if depending on what your workout is other times you might want to be warmed up really well and you might do like four or six before race and um as far as like the effort and the, the pace and the distance i would say um, I guess the answer would be depending on how long it takes you to accelerate to your mile pace. Um, for me, I like to progress to it a little slower. So I'd rather have a longer stride, like 30 to 40 seconds. And so I would probably, you know, 
I would probably do four at least at about 30 to 40 seconds. That's what I would do. And I probably wouldn't even hit my mile pace until I was halfway done with the stride. So it would take me 15, 20 seconds to get, get down to that pace. For most people, though, they're probably just going to do like four strides at about 25 to 30 seconds. I feel like that's pretty um, a pretty average number or length of time. Again, it might depend on like what you have following the strides in terms of like a workout or a race or what pace you plan to run after. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's like a general rule of thumb for, you know, how long they should be. And, um, you know, when you, when you think about the whole purpose behind the stride, it's really to start to recruit the entire muscle, right? So getting those muscle motor units woken, woken up. Um, and so if you're doing it in practice, the goal is to kind of help activate these, these, you know, motor groups so that your legs are stronger, uh, specifically like your calf. Um, your quad. And that's one reason I talked about the sprint float sprint earlier. It just helps athletes like really have control over like changing gears. And that really comes into play towards the end of your race, right? Like that finishing kick. I mean, you see it all the time. You're at certain races where some athletes just can have a really strong kick. And uh, so that's something that that's, that's kind of what we're doing strides for is to help prepare for those strong finishes, keeping our form, um, you know, our, our body, our posture, all that in line and not feeling like we're getting tired and sloppy. Um, cause we want to have a strong finish no matter the race distance. Yeah. You brought up a lot of really good points and there are just so many different ways that you can do strides, right? Like, I mean, you could even go out there be doing the, the 10 second strides and then you could do 45 second strides. It just really depends. And I think that's part of the beauty of it is that there is just so much variety in ways you can mix it up. And it's not really a super stressful workout on your body. I think that's what I really like about it. Um, but that kind of brings up a good point. If you are doing, you know, two workouts a week already, or, you know, you just kind of have a loaded schedule. Um, how does one even start to incorporate these strides into their weekly training? Is it something you should be doing like the day before a workout or can you do it the day after a workout? Um, or is there just really no like hard rule of thumb as to when you should and shouldn't do them? Um, cause even just thinking right now, I'm like, geez, I don't remember the last time I did strides. I think I'm someone who will throw them in if, um, like I have a workout the next day that I'm anxious about, or I'm like, Oh, I better, you know, let the legs know. Um, or, you know, before like those one mile time trials, maybe like two days before that, I'll kind of do a few strides, but I feel like I'm one of those people where it's all or nothing. Like I either have to do them twice a week religiously, or I just totally, um, neglect to do them. So really what's the easiest way that someone can like place these in their weekly schedule to make sure they're um, doing them and holding themselves accountable to this. Yeah, I think, you know, you could start with just, if you've never done them before, you start with one, right? And you could do it towards the end of your run um, or in the middle. And you basically just pick pick like a, a sign on the side of the road, maybe, I don't know, 50 yards up or whatever. And you just kind of tell yourself, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start to progress until I get to that sign. I'm going to run hard. And then, you know, as you start to do more and more, you maybe hold the pace a little bit longer and then you're able to run a little bit faster. And, um you know, as you start doing longer strides, my, my guess is you're, you're building up a little bit more slowly instead of as rapidly. Um, so there's, there's no wrong way. I think experimenting with, with kind of all different types of strides is the best way. Um, but you don't want to overdo it. You just want to start with maybe, um, you know, one run with some strides, um, the first week, and then maybe two runs the second week. And you got to think about like, what, what other types of workouts are you doing as well? Because, 
Um, you know, if, if you go from not doing any workouts and all of a sudden you're doing a workout a week, plus you're doing strides, you really want to be careful. You don't want to put too much stress on your body. Um, but I think the younger you are and the fitter you are, um, the more you can get away with doing strides on a more regular basis. I know there's a lot of like high school programs out there that preach about getting the kids to run fast every day. And that's just their philosophy. Um, they're young kids, their bodies can adapt. Um, and it's not a high, it's not like a high amount of intense strides that they're throwing at them. It might only be like two, two to four, like 15 to 20 second strides for some of these kids that are younger, maybe newer to the sport. Um, whereas the older kids might be running, you know, like six of them, uh, 150 meters long or something, which is going to be a little bit longer. Um, so again, I think it just depends on your experience with strides and your kind of the age you've been, um, the, the age you are as a runner. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of things that go into, you know, coming up with a training plan and, and, you know, some of those young kids in high school and middle school, um, even in, well, depends on the college program, but high school, middle school, it's like, they're not running a ton of mileage. They might only be doing, um, you know, 15, 25 miles a week, but they're really more focused on, you know, that raw speed and, and they're training for really shorter events. Um, that utilize more of that raw speed. Whereas, you know, some of the people listening to this podcast maybe are training for ultra marathons or they want to run a marathon. Um, and that's just more of like an aerobic beast. And some people, uh, who are training for those events are running upwards of 50 miles a week. And so it's just a different beast. And when you are running that many miles a week, you, you have to really be balancing, um, like the stress load. Right. So, you know, if you're someone who's feeling really flat, you feel like you can't hit certain paces or you just feel like you're in a rut and you're, you're just one of those people that goes out and logs kind of a similar pace run every single day. Um, one way to combat that maybe, you know, maybe you do trim down your mileage just a hair, like instead of running 40 miles a week, maybe you're going to focus on 35 miles a week and incorporating strides and then moving into fart legs, moving into workouts and, that's really the way that I think people break through plateaus. I think as runners, we really get stuck in this mindset of doing what's comfortable because running is already so comfortable. And so or it's already uncomfortable to run, right? So by adding in like workouts, it makes it uncomfortable. It makes it even more uncomfortable. And so it's just hard to find that motivation every day to be like, okay, I'm going to go out there and challenge myself. And that's why I think having a coach is beyond helpful. Like, I know coming back from this last pregnancy, I just got stuck in this rut of doing the same, you know, pattern of runs every day. Like I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go out for an hour easy, um, add in some strides. But I just had this like fear of workouts. I didn't want to, you know, get that uncomfortable. And that's really um, the thing that it takes to reach that next level of running. And I know so many people that have reached out to us and they are like, oh, I've been at the same half PR for like five years, or I've been wanting to, you know, break two hours and a half, break 145 and a half for however long. And then you kind of take a look at their training log and you're like, well, are you doing like the specific workouts that really challenge you? Um, and that's the biggest thing that's really going to set you apart when it comes to performance and hitting the next level with your training. You really have to stress the specific paces for you and get uncomfortable. Um, strides are obviously a feeder into that, but you know, working with a coach and having someone outside develop a plan specific for you 
to reach those goals and hit that next level has been huge. And so that's even why I have Coach Ben, um, our head coach here, and for PRs, I have him write my own training. Um, And I know, Jason, you've worked with a coach several times. And sometimes just getting that outside perspective and that outside push really can help um, propel you to that next level. And so we just are taking this time to encourage you, if you've ever been interested to work with a coach before, or you just are just stuck and you want to see maybe what are like a week of workouts, right? We can give you a week of workouts for free. Um, we do a one week trial for anyone who is interested just to kind of see what sort of workouts we would prescribe, right? And it's very specific to you. We give you um, detailed paces, very specific to your current fitness level. Um, we kind of run you through what we would do with a typical coaching client, and then, you know, at the end of the seven seven days, you can choose to just walk away, never talk to us again, or, you know, we can discuss um, other coaching options for the future if you really like it. Um, so there's definitely no commitment at all. Just something that we do because we find that when most people kind of get into the zone of doing some workouts, they really love it. So we'd love to have you on for a free trial. If you go to www.runforprs.co and fill out the form on our website, we can get you set up and you can work with Coach Jason, Coach Ben, or pretty much any of the coaches here at Run for PRs, get a free trial with us. So we hope to hear from you soon. Thanks for tuning in and being a listener of our podcast.